Welcome to the Seven Figures Podcast, smart money strategies for women with Sandy Waters. Seven Figures is sponsored by Advantage Federal Credit Union. Today on the show, a lot of our listeners have told us they want to know more about investing. So today, in our No Dumb Questions segment, we'll explain the difference between active and passive investing. Plus, how to stop working scared and boss up your own life. Norma Holland joins the show. What compelled her to walk away from a 23-year career in TV to take on the new unfamiliar challenge of digital marketing? She'll explain it all today. And we'll take a seat at the kids' table. The best way to teach your kids the important lesson of compounding. All of that today on the 7 Figures Podcast. Here's Sandy Waters. Oh, we have such a good show lined up today. Thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to listen to the 7 Figures Podcast, to subscribe, to tell a friend about the show. If you have a sec, leaving us a review would be awesome too. The goal of this podcast is to help you get to that spot where you feel comfortable. You feel ah, financially confident. It doesn't even matter how much money you have. You just feel like you have a plan in place. So the future doesn't scare you. You feel secure that you know exactly what's going on. And we love hearing from you directly. SandyWaters989 at gmail.com. Especially your money victories. Today our money victory shout out goes to Brenda Langford. She simply wrote, I paid off the IRS. Congratulations, Brenda. That huge weight has been lifted. We will cheers to that. It is completely fine that you have questions about some of the quote-unquote obvious financial terms out there because it's safe to say most people are confused by some of it. And that is why we start the show with no dumb questions. Our CFP Erica Cummings from the Harmony Financial Wellness Group at RBC Wealth Management joins this part of the show. Hi, Erica. Hi, Sandy. How are you? Good. Okay, so this is kind of like part two of last week's conversation where we asked people on Facebook, what do you want to know? What do you wish they taught you in school? And a lot of people said investing, the stock market. So last week uh, was mutual fund versus ETF. But let's get into just passive versus active investing. Certainly, yes. In my really exciting world, which is a joke, um, no, I think it's exciting. Uh, there's a lot of argument where people tend to strongly favor one strategy over the other. Uh, passive investing has definitely become more popular among investors, but there's arguments that can be made for the benefits of active investing as well. So essentially, active investing, as its name implies, takes on a hands-on approach. It requires that someone act in the role of portfolio manager. And the goal of active money management is to beat the stock market. So if the market's up 10%, the goal is for that fund to get 11, 12, 13%. So they want to take full advantage of short-term price fluctuations. It involves a much deeper analysis and expertise to know when to pivot into or out of a particular stock or bond or any asset. So I do not recommend people try to be actively investing on their own. Mm. You simply do not have the time. You don't have the access to the information that portfolio managers do. They live and breathe this every day. And not only that, but they usually oversee a huge team of analysts who look at all kinds of qualitative and quantitative factors. So unless you have a team in your home, 
and they are looking at all these factors. They've got multiple screens in front of them. This is very, very difficult to do on your own. So if you want to participate in active investing, the best way to do it is through that mutual fund. So it requires a lot of confidence that whoever is investing the portfolio will know exactly the right time to buy or sell and successful active investment managers have to be right more often than wrong. So I'm not saying it's not possible and mutual funds don't outperform the market, but it's not something that the typical person can do on their own. On the flip side, if you're a passive investor, you're essentially investing for the long haul. And I don't mean that you can't be invested in long haul with a mutual fund. What I mean is that you are buying something and you're not selling it. So unlike a mutual fund where they may buy a particular stock one day and then sell it five days later based upon whatever their discipline is, you as the mutual fund holder is holding that mutual fund, but within the fund, there's all of this active management. With passive investing, very similar to the ETFs that we talked about last week, you're buying this strategy, whether it's the S&P 500 or the Russell index or the Dow, whatever indexes you choose to buy, and you're just holding it and it just is what it is. That means you have to resist the temptation to react or you're not anticipating the stock market's everyday move. So a prime example, again, is to buy an index fund or buy the ETF. Like we mentioned last week, you could buy the S&P 500. So whenever these indices go up or go down, you go up and go down with them. And whenever any type of stocks are moving into those indexes, so they've been elevated up, then that will now become part of your portfolio and vice versa. So you just ride the wave. You You ride the wave. And that is probably, if you are interested in the market or investing, that's probably the safest way to go, the cheapest way to go. Yeah. Some of the benefits to passive investing is they tend to be lower fees. They're more transparent. So you always pretty much know what you know. Um, There's tax efficiency there because, again, there's not a consistent amount of buying and selling. But they can be too limited and they also can have lower returns. So some of the ways that we've seen kind of success, and I've done this quite a bit, is to is to marry them together. So you can have a little bit of both in your portfolio. You can have active and passive. So you can have active in certain areas where it makes sense, and then you can have passive where it doesn't. Or you can say, you know what, I'm going to invest in the S&P 500 And I'm going to pick a mutual fund that tries to outperform the S&P 500. And then this way you're getting maybe not all of the upside when the the manager outperforms, but you're also uh, getting some of it. And then same thing on the downside. So you can, you know, it's not a, it's not a zero sum game. You don't have to pick one route or the other. It's generally as just a zero sum game when people are arguing whether or not one way is better than the other. Yeah. Yeah. It's whatever feels more comfortable for you. And just yes. to clarify really quick uh, before we wrap it up here, the S&P 500 we refer to a lot. That's the top 500 companies. Yeah. Okay. So Erica, where can we follow you? How can we find you? You can find us on uh, our website at harmonyfinancialwellness.com. We also have a Facebook page by the same name and we do do consistent webinars and we have a newsletter. We're starting a podcast. So you can sign up for all of these by reaching out to us at erica.cummings at rbc.com. Love it. Have a great weekend. You too. Right now, would you say that you're working scared? You're seeing so much change happening at your job because of the pandemic. And you think to yourself, well, I just can't afford to lose my job. So I'm going to do whatever it takes 
to stay put, to keep my position. Working scared sucks. I have been there. Whether we're in a pandemic or not, sometimes it just happens. You allow your boss, your company to take advantage of you. You tend to overextend yourself, even though it could be putting pressure on other areas of your life. You do it because you're trying to save your job. You don't want to have to go looking for a new job. Even though all of that is completely normal, today is the last day you are going to be working scared. Instead, you are going to start bossing up your own life. Norma Holland is here, spent 23 years working in TV news at the same station, and now is celebrating her one-year anniversary as Director of Community Development at Digital Hive. Hi, Norma. Hello, Sandy. So good to talk to you, friend. Uh, You too. How are those little babies of yours? My little Goyles, they're doing great. They, I'll tell you, uh, didn't know how it was going to turn out with both of them being home when school was shut down and daycares and um, back in March. And I thought, you know, I, I hope they get along. I hope we all get along. You know? <laughs> and, uh, and then I wasn't sure if they were going to go back to school. And you know what? They did. Everything is doing, we're doing just fine. We really are. I think, I think you know what? It, it eventually turns out to be okay. Yeah. Now, are you, both you and your husband, still working from home? We are, yes. Both of us are still working from home. (laughs) Working from home and caring for children is impossible. Yeah, how is that going? With with very little children, it was close to impossible. Um, And there were many days when I did not feel like I made... uh, made the goals or set the goals uh, or or reached the goals that I had set for myself that week. It's hard to not feel almost like a failure, you know, because you're like, I'm working, but I can't every five minutes I'm distracted or I have to take care of a child, which, you know, well, look, that's my primary goal. That's my primary job Mm -hmm. is to be a mom. Let's be real. So, so it was tough and I had to rethink my goals and rethink how I was going to do my job. I had to be a little creative, which meant working when they went to bed mm-hmm. at night. Mm-hmm. And that meant working late. Um, so, you know, the, it was it was difficult. And anybody who's doing it knows exactly what I'm talking about. And now parents who are working and homeschooling, uh, that's just, it's so hard. It's so hard. I have friends who um, on the day that their child is uh, attending Zoom school, so to speak, they take a day off from work. Or they use their oh, vacation they time. Do. Yeah. Wow. They use their vacation time. It, um, it's a challenge. But you know, I, I just saw a post before we popped on. Uh, I just got to read this exactly how she wrote it. <laughs> I hope she doesn't mind I'm reading her post. But it says, Hybrid 2020. My one son doesn't know what number month September is. My other son can't spell eyes. We are now crying over our worksheet and I'm trying to get my own work done. This no. is a nightmare. I mean, it's. I told her every other household in your neighborhood is doing the same exact craziness. Worlds are colliding in ways that haven't before. And you have to rethink, all right, what are you going to get done? People have standards, right? Uh, It's it's like when you have a baby. It's like when you have a baby and you say, all right, I'm going to, or before you have a baby, I keep a clean house. Everything is organized. You may have been a neat freak before you had that baby. All of a sudden you have that baby and suddenly you're like, Dishes can pile up. I'm not yeah. dusting. I'm not, you know what I'm saying? Your standards are, I don't want to say they're lower, but they change. Okay. Absolutely. Out of reality for, for reality's sake. Well, I'm watching my seven-year-old nephew and thankfully the, the radio station gave me the option. Do you want to come back into the studio or work from home? And I'm like, oh, please let me still work from home so I can take care of the kids when they're sure. homeschooled. Well, 
I notice the minute I even pick up my phone, that's it. My seven-year-old nephew's peace out acting up. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, he really is fighting for my attention. So I'm like, okay, every email, everybody can wait. I have to carve out time where it's either just for work or just for the kids. It's tough. It is. And you're so right. It's as soon it's as if as soon as you take on another task or or your attention is taken by something else, your children now want your attention. They didn't care about you 15 minutes ago. (laughs) Now mommy has this thing she's paying attention to and it's not you. So (laughs) they want your attention now. And again, look at I'm not I'm not bemoaning it. I you know, this is why I had children. I wanted to be a mother. I just didn't know I was going to be. Uh, a mother who, uh, for for better part of of this year, was caring for children and working full time, right? Yeah. Uh, f- from the same spot, like literally, I'm right there. <laughs> I'm trying to do two things at once and not doing either really well. And I'm going to be honest with you, I wasn't. I had to talk to my boss about that and be like, "Listen, you know." And everyone in our company that has children has had the same story. So now, how was your boss though? Because that I think right there is scary for a lot of people to do to confess to their boss. Hey, listen, I can't give one hundred and ten percent like I used to. Listen, you. This is where it it pays literally to work for a human being. Truthfully, come on, our humanity has to shine through through all of this. None of us knew this was going to happen. Yeah. yeah. And and you know my boss has two children. Right. He understands. He knows. Uh, and he's in the same boat. Uh, and, and then on top of it, you know, uh, business was, was struggling. And a lot of uh, companies saw this. They had a downturn in business. So so ev- so though their employees work if they're working from home. Everything really matters. Right. Everything counts. Um, but listen, we, this is unprecedented in our lifetime. So we have to do our best. And my best turned out to be when they were um, asleep. And, and it meant late nights for me and it stunk and I hated it. But you know what? Yeah. Look, we got to do what we got to do. But you, I, I, I wish that we could all work for people who know what it's like to be a parent. Yeah, that's true. Some people forget. Yeah, I think they do. Honestly, they do. And by the way, it, you worked your best when they were sleeping and they were their best too when they were asleep. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Let's exactly. <laughs> transition because I, I feel like you understand the whole working scared like scared of losing your job that point where you're just so comfortable I mean 23 years you were at the same station how the heck did you make that leap why did you make that leap and what can we learn from it Sandy I think we all work scared because at any moment I think one of the healthiest things for all of us to understand is that at any moment we can be replaced. Mm-hmm. Just when you start yeah. feeling special, I'm not saying you shouldn't be uh, feel valued or feel that your work uh, and be proud of your work or, or feel that you're making a difference. But the reality is at any moment, we could all be replaced, all of us. No matter right? how many years you've had at that company. No matter, no matter, okay? And so for me, the reason I left, and people have asked this, you know, why would you leave? I mean, you've built up equity, right? Think about it. It's like a bank account. You've got all this money in the bank. Why would you cash it out, right? After a while, I decided that I needed a new opportunity. I needed an opportunity to learn more and do different things. There was not that. And the reality was there was not that opportunity for me to do something different at the station, the road ahead looked just like the road that I was on at that, at that moment, okay? 
Again, I didn't have a crystal ball. I didn't know that yeah. six months later there would be a pandemic uh, and that everything we, we knew uh, of our way of life was going to completely change. However, I did know that what I was looking at in the present was not going to look different in a year. And I, I, couldn't, I couldn't accept that. And so when I realized that there was no other opportunity for me, I had to go and carve out my own path. And it was terrifying. Don't think I wasn't scared. I was ready though. So when I left, I didn't feel frightened, frightened because I wouldn't be the TV lady anymore. It was just, what, was I going to be able to cut it in this new job, right? I was ready to shed the old identity and take on something new. And, and people have said, you know, well, you'll know when it's time. And that is God's truth. Oh, really? If you, if okay. you do, if you do something, if you make a shift before you're truly ready, you're going to, you're, you're just not going to jump into the next opportunity with both feet firmly on the ground. You're going to be kind of one foot in the old and one foot in the new. It's like, nah, you, you need to be willing to, to look at your new opportunity with fresh eyes. But that means you have to somewhat divorce yourself from the past. Uh, but you, you, don't, you shouldn't do it a, a day before you're ready to do it. Um, so I knew I, I knew I was ready to go. How long were you thinking about this before it hit you that, yeah, I'm ready. This is the time. About two years. Really? It took about two wow. years. Yeah. And it was like, you know, there was like that whiff of, uh, and I'll be honest with you. It happened when the girls were born. Um, as soon as the girls were born, I think a lot of moms feel this way. You think, I really wish I had more time with my children. Mm -hmm. And when they're little like that, you, you really do want more time with them. So about two years, uh, before I started thinking, you know, what would my life look like if I, if I did something new? Um, well, what was it? I didn't know, right? I, um, not everyone has a plan B in their pocket, ready to go, right? So I had to do a little searching, literally soul searching and talking to people that I trusted. That led me to Jeff Knaus, who's the CEO of Digital Hive. And Jeff, as the head of a very successful company and a dear friend of mine, we just sort of we're spitballing, right? Like, well, gee, what if, what if I did work for you? But I didn't know anything about digital marketing. I wasn't a practitioner. I didn't know what search engine marketing was. I didn't know what, you know, retargeting was or anything like that, or what a landing page was. I didn't know any of those things. And Jeff said, we'll teach you. And I said, oh, come on. Really? <laughs> Can you teach an old dog new tricks? Um, I realized though, that what I brought to the table was name recognition, um, there was that equity that I'd built up in the community that would benefit his business. But at the same time, he was offering me a parachute, right? He was offering me a, the ability to, to learn something new and give me a place to land to find myself. Because Sandy, when you've been at a place for a really long time, you almost can't think of yourself as someone else, as being yeah. other than what you've been. It's all you know. It's that that comfort of, okay, fine. I'll just tough it out. All right. Yeah. The hours suck, but I'll just deal with it because it is all I know. There's where you feel most confident, right? In your yes. comfortable spot. You do. But there were days when I thought, is this it? Is this all there is? And again, not that I wasn't busy and didn't have enough to do. I mean, someone sure. saying, well, maybe you needed more to do. Look, if I had more to do, <laughs> I was going to have a nervous breakdown. It wasn't that. Um, it wasn't that I wasn't having enough to do. I wasn't engaged. Okay, when you're not engaged in what you're doing, you're doing both your employer and yourself a disservice. So that's like a red flag. It is. As soon as you just are not there, if that fire is not in your belly still, eh, that's a huge red flag. 
And again, I'm competitive, so I like to win. It didn't mean that I didn't go out on a story and want to get the exclusive or get the information that no other reporter had or didn't want to win, right? Mm. Um, I just wasn't that fire about what I was doing wasn't there. You, uh, in one of your posts, and it was it was written so perfectly, um, you know, it's like you're a TV reporter. <laughs> <laughs> you wrote, it was time to boss up my own life. Mm. What does that mean? Girl, listen, I'm going to tell you right now. Too many of us sit around waiting for someone to come and say, it is time, Sandy, for you to move on up. Mm. We've all met and we have deemed you ready. So we want to offer you, eh, 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 eh. really? No, 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 no. I was doing that for far too many yeah, years. Okay. Yeah. Too many of us walk around waiting for our bosses or for some other entity to deem us ready to move up. And I decided I was done with that. I, I did not want to allow my future to be charted, my course to be charted by people who I didn't even know who they were. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, and, and, okay. and, what, and, who, and who, it's so subjective, right? I mean, yeah, certain, there are certain criteria you need to meet in order to move up to the next level in your career. Don't be fooled. There is, that's necessary, right? There are benchmarks that you have to meet. But damn, if I had reached them in 23 years, when was I going to reach them? When was I, quote unquote, ready to ascend to a new level, to a new, no, 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 no. It was time to go. And there's a, there's a saying, the proverb, you know, if the wind will not serve, take the, take the oars, right? And that's what I was doing with my career. That's what I mean by, and what I meant by boss up your own life. You're the boss. What do you want to do? Take responsibility for what you want to do, for the outcome and for the path to get there. And once you start, and I'll tell you, it's crazy. Once you start feeling powerful uh, and, and you start taking steps to make the next thing happen, mm -hmm. it's, it's almost, it's addictive. You start to feel like, wow, oh my God, I just did that. Well, what else could I do if I put my mind to it, right? You've been re-energized. Yes. And that's how I felt. I mean, I was a sleepy morning TV anchor. <laughs> Physically but it, sleepy. Physically, but, but literally. I didn't yeah. even have the capacity for higher level thought. I didn't have the, um, look at, we all need rest. And when you are severely tired and bone tired, you don't have, all you're thinking of is your next nap. When are you going to eat again? And then you've got to then think, okay, now I got to take whatever's left and let my children have that. Mm -hmm. They didn't deserve that. They, they didn't, I didn't bring them in the world to shortchange them. So your final piece of advice, because there are a lot of moms listening right now who are like, yes, that's exactly my life. I just, all the little bit of energy I have left, I give to the kids. And yes, that is my life. I'm just waiting for somebody to tell me mm. I'm good at my job and I should move up. What is that piece of advice that you live by every day? Look, being tired is going to be a part of being a parent, male or female, mom or dad. We're all tired. At the end of the day... We push on, we soldier on to give our kids the best of us. And maybe it's the rest of us, right, at the end of the day. So I'm not saying that I'm this well-rested mom who doesn't ever shout at her kids and doesn't ever lose her temper. <laughs> but what I am saying, so that, that's going to be a constant. <laughs> I have to say, that, that part of my life didn't change so much. <laughs> that part of my life kind of stayed the same. Just, you know, that's, um, yeah, it is what it is. Hey. But, but I'm there in the morning, right? And, and I wanted to be there in the morning um, and I wanted to be there at night. So look, if you're in this situation and you're like, all right, when, you know, who's going to tell me I'm ready? No one's going to tell you you're ready. 
um, you have to know that you're ready. So I would suggest uh, try on a new future for size in your head first. Mm. I, I have a pastor who one time I called and I said, I am wrestling with a choice, two distinct choices. And he said, try them on, wear them, put them on, right? Literally like wake up one day and say, I, you know, live as if, act as ah. if you've already made that choice and then see how you feel. How does it feel in your, in your soul? Right. And then, then wake up the next day and act as if you've made the other choice and see and compare. How did you feel when you had settled with a decision? So the same applies here. Look to your future. What do you want to do? Is it a new career? Is it, is it something that requires more education? You can get that education, right? Yes. It's not, I'm not going to say it's that it's easy. You may have to take out a loan. Uh, you may have to take time off from your job in order to, to research these options. You may have to alter your lifestyle to be able to afford an education or a new lifestyle or in, in order to live and, and live out your, your, your future or your, your choices or your dreams. Uh, but do that, right? Consider what the future would be like if you did something else. Then start talking to people in those careers. Call them. Hey, listen, uh, I know you're uh, a successful XYZ and I, I want to know what it's like. Um, you know, how did you get there? Do that. Find out from other people what their lives are like. Be a little bit of an, your own investigative reporter, right? Look at, this is the truth. If you want something, you're going to get it. You're going to get it. You're going to make a, you're going to find a way. I remember years ago, an investigative reporter who worked at our station, Jim Redmond, <laughs> who I love dearly, he listened in on one of my phone calls and I was coming up against a wall every time I called people and asked them for an interview on a particular topic. And he said to me, kid, I'm going to give you some unsolicited advice. He said, what does water do when it approaches a barrier? And I said, uh, I don't know, Jim. He goes, it goes around it. Be like water, Norma. And I thought, he's uh-huh. brilliant. And I've always remembered, I literally have an image in my head of a stone, of a, of a barrier, and I can't get through it. So I'm just going to go around it. Oh, I love it. <laughs> do you know what I'm saying? Where, yeah. So find a way. Find a way. Talk yeah. to people you trust. And please, for the love of God, don't believe this lie. And I'm going to share this with you. Don't believe the lie. I'm too old. What does it matter now? Don't believe it. That is a lie that we tell ourselves to let ourselves off the hook. It's an excuse. If you're committed to something, the, the excuses don't matter because commitment, there are no excuses, right? You Absolutely. Yeah. And I know there are people who might be listening to this going, yeah, sure. Easy for her to say. Nothing was easy for me. Nothing is easy. And if it is easy, maybe you don't really want it. Maybe it's not good for you. Uh, I don't know. These are the things that kind of helped me get to that point. But I'm telling you, like I'm telling you, like I'm telling you, you will know when it's time to go. I said to my sister, why am I not more apprehensive about this decision? She said, because you're ready. And oh. she was right. Okay. Norma, we wish you the best of luck. Thank you so much for taking time with us. Thank you. You're welcome, friend. Anytime. to take a seat at the kids table our money expert is here ceo of money savvy generation susan beecham how are you susan i am well sandy thank you all right this is kind of a tough question actually i'll be honest when i gave the list of questions to our parents to ask their kids some of the parents came back with oh gosh i'm not even sure if i could explain this one compound interest here's what our kids said compound interest is when it's where 
if you do something, you get money for it, but if you don't do it, then you have to pay money for it. Is it related to joint compound? Like the wall spackle, is that what you're saying? Yeah, I don't know what it is. <laughs> what is compound interest? What's compound interest? Tell me. What's compound interest? What does it sound like? That's a hard one. It is a hard one. <laughs> Again, even for the parents to explain it. So that's where you come in. There you go. And here I am ready to open the uh door to understanding compounding and compound interest. And you know, our friend Albert Einstein, I'm sure you remember Albert. Mm -hmm. He said compounding was the um, most awesome power of the universe. He said compound interest is the most awesome power of the universe. I'm going to start with an example. You get $100 for your birthday. Your mom says, let's go to the bank and deposit that in a new savings account. You go to the bank and you find out that they're going to pay you 8% interest on that deposit you make in your savings account. You put $100 in and next year you go back to check on your savings account. You've made no more deposits and you see that your balance is $108. And mom says, let's do the math. 8% of 100 is a eight dollars 108 look your money just worked for you your money earned eight dollars in the last year based on the eight percent interest brilliant you're happy you both leave you come back a year later you've made no more deposits but now you're kind of curious so you go you want to see if this is working for you so you pull up your balance at the bank and you find out in year two you have 116 dollars and 64 cents. Now, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. 8%. I understood the 108 year two, it should be 116. What's the 64 cents? You earned 8% interest on your interest of $8. You not only earned interest on the money you deposited that first year, but you earned interest on the interest of $8 and on the interest of $16. That's what's incredible about compounding. I'm gonna give you one more example. This is really gonna pop your eyes. So you're 18 years old and you decide you're not gonna buy coffee out in the morning. You're gonna make it at home, bring it with you. And you decide that you're gonna take the, let's say $4 a day that you would spend on coffee and you're gonna put it into a savings or a mutual fund that returns a little over 5% annually. And you do this. You do this every day, $4 a day, from the time you're 18 until you're too tired to do it anymore. And you wanna retire at age 67. And you take a look at how much money you have by putting $4 a day away into an account that returns 5.1% annually. You are amazed that you have $317,920 from saving $4 a day from age 18 to age 67. Now, that sounds pretty great, but let me tell you the best part of this 
only 71,000 and change is from your $4 daily contributions. 246, $380 is the return on your investment, the interest, and then the interest on that interest. And that's why Einstein said it's compounding is the most awesome power of the universe. A lot of people want to know how fast can my money grow? So tell me, how can I figure out how to double my money? How long it's going to take to double my money? It's an easy equation. It's called the rule of 72. So you take 72 years and you divide it by the interest rate you're getting. So if you're getting 6%, let's say, on an account of interest or in an investment account, 6% of return, 72 divided by 6% is 12 years. It's going to take 12 years to double your money. It works every time. That's why they call it the rule of 72. That is the most clear, concise example that I think everybody is just going to push play on this podcast episode for their kids and be like, here, this is what it is. Because it is impactful. That it right there will help your kid get motivated. Well, and even if they don't understand it to begin with, you understand it as their parent, right? It's up to us to teach them the habit, to take them to the bank, to show them the interest. It's up to us to teach them fun ways to calculate how long it'll take to double their money, which makes them then aware of, okay, but the bank's only paying me 1% interest on my savings account. And that opens the door to a discussion on investing. Okay, what would pay you more? And then when you talk about investing, okay, you might be getting 4% or 6%, But why wouldn't everybody just skip savings and go to investing? Because there's risk. Yeah, There's always risk in investing. And you need to have the risk conversation every time you talk about it. Doesn't mean avoid it. It just means understand it. Susan, awesome. Where can we follow you and learn more about this and and other topics? You are more than welcome to follow me at my blog, which is at SusanBeecham.com. And you can find Money Savvy Generation's award-winning products and some free resources at moneysavvy.com. That wraps it up. Another show. Let me know if there's ever a topic you want us to answer in No Dumb Questions, if there's a, a guest you want me to try to get on the show, or if you need help talking to the kids about money. This podcast is for you. Cheers to each and every single one of you who is proud to say that you're on your way to being a financially confident woman. Talk to you next week. Thanks for listening to the Seven Figures Podcast. Click subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Seven Figures is sponsored by Advantage Federal Credit Union.